and welcome back to Escape of Vanilla. I am here today with Kaylin and we're going to be talking about our careers and the focuses of our firm. So Kaylin, tell us about yourself. Hi, I'm Kaylin Dillon. I'm a financial planner like you and um, I focus on working with couples with prenuptial agreements and blended families. So I do a lot of helping couples navigate, you know, how to figure out what do we share, what's mine, what's yours, and then how do we incorporate all of that into a plan together? Yeah, well, and that's really important because I feel like um, I've worked with a lot of clients who were started out single and then they met a significant other and then, um, you know, their financial picture changed. They now have this couple. And um, so you, you get all their fun things too. You get their credit score and you get all of their debt if they have any. Um, you get any, um, you know, differing money memories in terms of how they feel about money, scarcity or abundance. And um, so it's interesting to walk along clients, walk along with clients that way. So that's why I'm really excited to be talking to you today. Yeah, yeah, no, people really underestimate like what a financial uh, undertaking getting married is. So um, yeah, to debit, like taking on someone's debt or credit score alone is a pretty big deal, not to mention, you know, future impl- future debt, imp- assets, things like that. So um, it's it kind of seems like it takes away from the romantic side of getting married to talk about the business part of it, but they're both a part of getting married, both the legal aspect and the financial aspect and the romantic aspect. So um, I like to think about it as it's, it's all there and it's all just as important no matter (laughs) whether you pay attention to it or not. For sure. Well, and one thing too is, is, you know, you always have, you go into a relationship with the best hopes, regardless of kind of the dynamic, but there's always the opportunity that that person is going to take out credit cards in your name or um, is going to abuse the relationship with you and, you know, take too much control over your assets or um, things like that. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today is because a lot of my clients have these conversations and it can kind of come from, from two different sides. It can come from the okay, I was in a relationship with, you know, I was a sugar baby, whatever gender you are, sugar baby, and someone was, you know, compensating me for our relationship. And maybe that turned into maybe you did get attached, or maybe that just turned into them being like, you know, I really like this, I want to make it long term. So sometimes that turns into like, okay, we're actually going to get married. And then because it started out as more of a transaction, there's a lot of these conversations, and it's good to not just assume what's going to happen. So for both parties to be protected and understand, you know, the the aspects and the angles of their relationship, a prenup can be really helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And another thing that people don't talk about enough getting into a relationship, say when it starts to get serious or when, you know, that they're, they're entertaining, like their roles changing, things like that is what does this mean down the road if say one person ends up being more of a financial provider than the other so a lot of times 10 years down the road from the beginning of a relationship the financial dynamics are not the same I mean that's that's in a lot of cases especially for young people um and 
there are so many things that can change and no, you know, there, there aren't enough people having those conversations up front. Like how would we handle it if you're, you become the primary breadwinner or I take a step back from work for X, Y, Z reason or vice versa. Yeah. Well, sometimes it's not even, you know, I don't trust this person or I think they're going to take advantage of me as much as like, you know, I might already have children. And so I want, if I'm, you know, if I pass away in the future, I would want some of my assets to go to my children and not just go to my spouse. And so kind of being able or saying, you know, they can take care of themselves and I really want my funds to go to this charitable institution or something like that, where you have a little more control over your legacy in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say like a lot of these, a lot of the topics that come up with my clients and with people just curious about what I do frequently uh, are around like, is this about trusting somebody or not trusting somebody? But it really has, sure, if you don't, if you're in a relationship and you're not sure you trust someone, fine, then maybe you do want to look for ways to protect yourself. But most of the time, that's not the case. Nobody, you know, people aren't coming to me already telling me they don't trust the person that they're with, Yeah. but that does not negate the, the importance, but really also like the great benefits that can come from paying attention to these things and having adult mature conversations about, you know, how, what's mine and what's yours? How should we treat it? you know, what are our separate interests that we have having, having children that you don't share Mm -hmm. the children you had prior to a relationship. That's a separate interest that you want to look after having an interest in a charity, things like that. Those are all things that, you know, are much better off discussed, including like, what is, what is my role in our financial relationship? What's your role? Yeah. And, um, and that includes needing to like revisit that conversation regularly. And that really applies to anybody, but especially if a couple is looking at really changing roles compared to w- how their relationship initiated. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Um, I feel like I was, I was kind of, I lucked out because when my partner and I got together, we both didn't really have anything. So that wasn't a conversation. So I've been thinking back, like, you know, that should be something that to me, a sign of a healthy relationship would be that you could bring that up and your partner wouldn't be like upset about it. They would be, even if they, they, you caught them off guard, that would be a conversation they you know, would be open to having as a healthy dynamic. But I'm trying to think in terms of like the timing of that, I almost would say that I would want to like just bring it up casually in conversation early on to desensitize it. But what is, what are you, what do you recommend to people? Because obviously you don't want to like drop a bomb and, and change your relationship. So if you're, well, this probably applies to anything, but if you're talking about, if you like the idea of having a prenuptial agreement and you're not married yet, my advice is to have the conversation early. And like you said, like bring it up as early as possible when the stakes are super low and maybe not in the first few dates, but as soon as money is relevant to the conversation. So you should start having at least those conversations. Yeah. So you don't even have to get a few dates in to have a conversation about like, 
what do you see is our role in splitting costs of going on a date, for instance? Yeah. And that doesn't mean, I, I have a lot of couples that come to me and the first question that they ask is what do other people do? Whether it's, mm-hmm. whether they're dating, whether it's some thing they're doing in you know their marriage or how they're splitting finances for kids or for kids from previous marriages, things like that. They want to hear what everyone else is doing, hoping it'll be the answer. And the truth of the matter is that there isn't a right or a wrong answer. It, but the only wrong answer is just like, what habits have you fallen into accidentally without discussing that maybe you would change if you were going to be more intentional about it. So that's when I would look at those things and have those conversations. But yeah, I would early on talk about, I, you know, as soon as you're talking about the idea of marriage, which usually for people who are on that path, that comes up as more of a hypothetical long before you're engaged. Yeah. So other things that come up as a hypothetical long before you're engaged are usually whether or not you want children or whether you or not, um, you know, you plan to stay in the career you're in, things like that. So um, just as soon as those bigger conversations are relevant, it's a perfectly fine time to talk about these things and whether or not you want to prenup or whether or not you, even if you're turned off by that idea, you could bring up um, things like, well, I would care, you know, I'd care to know your credit score and a full credit report. So I could see, you know, how much debt am I signing up for? Because when you get married, you're taking on 50% of that debt or really you're, you're just as responsible. So, um, yeah, there's, there's never a bad time to bring things up. It's Mm -hmm. never too late. Um, but it is, it's also common for people to be nervous and worried about bringing it up because they do think their partner will be offended or feel like it does, you know, if you talk about a prenup, it means that you don't trust them. Yeah. And like, you don't think the relationship is going to be successful. So you have to like safeguard yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like you said, that being able to bring that up and it not being an issue, sure, is certainly a sign of a healthy relationship, Mm -hmm. but it's probably not like totally in the norm. We are like, we are not well trained, Yeah. (laughs) even by the time we're adults to talk comfortably about money. Mm -hmm. So um even if that's an uncomfortable conversation, that's okay. It's not a bad sign. I would say just if money conversations are tricky in your relationship, I would start small and understand that this is a long game if it's if this is a long-term relationship. And don't press a topic too hard. If it's if it's a touchy one, don't press it too hard right out of the gate. And, um, you know, usually if you can approach these conversations as a discussion and be equally as curious what your partner thinks and equally as interested in getting their input too and make it something that you two are solving together, 
um, that can usually get you a lot further. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you said the little things too, because I think, um, you know, a lot of my clients are on the younger side, so they're not necessarily looking towards marriage. Um, and they're similar to me where they kind of got along with their partner, either when they both had pretty similar incomes or they just both really didn't have anything. So it wasn't an issue. And I think it's really easy to have those money conversations early on and kind of test the waters because there aren't any stakes. You're like talking about splitting nothing or an uneven, uneven sharing of nothing, you know? Um, so yeah. I think it's more hypothetical and then you can be like, okay, you know, if one of us had a lot of advances in our career and had something more profitable then what would let that look like and what would be fair. And then you don't have kind of the you know, the boogeyman behind you of like, but one of us is worth a million dollars and the other one isn't worth anything, you know, um, things like that. But, um, you know, a lot of my clients are, are business owners and um, we run into this a lot in the financial industry, but um, generally speaking, you'll have one partner that's, you know, starting a business and their partner is really, really supportive. They put a lot of extra energy in there. They're pushing them towards succeeding. A lot of times you aren't very financially profitable in the beginning. So both of you are sacrificing and then ideally you grow. And so it almost kind of absorbs the relationship of, you know, your relationship is now the one person's business. And a lot of times, you know, their partner is working for them. And so what I find with my clients is a lot of times it gets messy of, you know, you're, you're paying your partner essentially to work for you, but obviously your partner is going to push you to be doing more and committing more because, um, you know, they want the collective to be more profitable. And so it gets, you know, it gets really messy. So how do you, how do you help clients with that? Where, where would you start with that? A Scoop of Vanilla is brought to you by Stripper Financial Planning. Stripper Financial Planning is a fee-only, independent RIA that caters to the unique financial needs of adult entertainers. Our clientele tend to be self-employed and work online as content creators or in-person as actresses, dancers, and escorts. Stripper Financial Planning offers advice-only, comprehensive financial planning, meaning that we'll periodically go through each aspect of your finances, including investments, but we only make recommendations rather than managing our clients' investments for them. We meet with clients on a monthly basis and charge a flat rate of $350 a month with no account minimums. To learn more about Stripper Financial Planning, you can visit our website at www.stripperfinancialplanning.com. So I do see that dynamic too. Mm -hmm. And the best starting point is really, the best starting point is always to back up. Yeah. And, and try to get to the bottom of, you know, what each of you needs to feel appropriately compensated, treated fairly, safe and secure in terms of like you have control over what you need and what you feel you deserve or what is yours um you 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 can't get very far into the conversation if you don't know for starters what each person needs to get out of the end result and so i would start with a lot of focus on just what is working Mm -hmm. And what, so start with the positive. What do you already know you agree about? What do you already know is 
working in terms of your financial and business relationship? And what are things you both know you care about in that same realm? And if you can start the conversation there, then from there, I would start, then I would look at, you know, well, what isn't working? And do you disagree about that? And at any point that you hit a disagreement, that's where you want to pause and really back up and find out why. Be curious. You know, why do you feel this way? Why do I feel this way? And um, it's really hard for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, to allow the slow pace that some of these conversations require. And usually I just, I want to know what does the end result look like and what's going to make me feel better. And I want to get there as fast as possible because I want whatever is bothering me to go away. Mm -hmm. And um, that's just not a recipe for success when it comes to building a life with another person. So um, we have to restrain those instincts and uh, have a lot of patience and curiosity. And if you are hitting those disagreements though, and really struggling to, you know, get anywhere, especially like if your partner just is not curious about, you know, where you're coming from in the disagreement. Yeah. Um, I mean, usually my advice is to get help because I think this is just another one of those things that we're not necessarily like trained in, you know, we don't learn in high school how to have these conversations and it can be tricky and it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you or your relationship. But um, if you just don't, if you don't naturally have the dynamics in your relationship to have those conversations, getting some help can go a long way. Yeah. Yeah, well, on the education side of that too, the the emotional intelligence that a lot of us didn't learn from our family or even from you know our friends and our communities of this is how you have a healthy conversation, this is how you talk about money, and kind of disrupting a lot of times we learn, you know, men are in control of the money, or one person needs to make more than the other one, or women need to always stay at home. And um, you know, or you might have been raised by a single mom and you're like, you need to figure out how to take care of yourself because you know that there wasn't a father there. You don't know if your partner's always going to be there. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a lot of education and handholding that goes along with that. Um, and I think too, for a lot of my clients, you know, a prenup can kind of give you a safety net that you understand. Um, and in a lot of cases, people either aren't interested in getting married or they're really far away from that. And so trying to create those boundaries earlier on in a relationship is really complicated. Um, so I, I like to think about, you know, what can what can push forward financial independence and then keeping an eye out for red flags. So a lot of times small behaviors will start early. Like one person is like, oh, I'm just better at finances. So I'll just take care of all of the money. Um, and the other person is like, thank God, I'm just going to worry on, worry about making the money. You take care of it. Good team. Um, but you both really want to be aware of what's happening. Um, and yeah. if you're, if you're not in control, like if you're in a relationship where you know that 
you don't have the upper hand, um, whether that's, you know, you're a stay-at-home parent or you are um, a sugar baby and someone is financially providing for you and you don't have a separate safety net, understanding like how can I lean into financial independence so that if that changes, since I'm not the one who can control if that changes, how can I continue to take care of myself? Um, what are some of the red flags you see early on in relationships that make you wonder, like, I think, you know, there needs to be a healthy boundary there. Somebody really refusing to be transparent, yeah. it, you know, wanting to have separate assets or keep some of your business separate is totally fine. Yeah. But uh, it starts to look like a red flag if somebody's refusing to answer really like well-meaning and reasonable questions yeah. and um, really anytime somebody's preventing someone from accessing a, an account or something like that they should have access to yeah that's a big red flag and I would, you know, I'm usually watching for smaller red flags. Mm -hmm. So I don't have, I've certainly had people come to me and say, like, I don't even, I know I'm supposed to have access to this money, but I don't even know how to get to yeah. it. So I've definitely had that happen. And, um, you know, we've been able to make some progress. It just kind of depends on the situation. Um, but what I'm most commonly watching for is more mm -hmm. just like is one partner really dominating the conversation and yeah you know making the decisions having the final word and really not just not allowing room but really preventing someone from having space to voice concerns questions sometimes it's as simple as like one partner just has basic questions because their knowledge level is not the same when it comes to finances. Yeah. And they want to know, you know, what, what's a stock versus a bond or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, and the other partner will try to answer for them or step in. And so those are things where it's not, those aren't necessarily a red flag at all, but I, I see them more commonly. Yeah. And so those are things I'm watching for more because they are opportunities to help step in and let other people learn because a lot of times people don't want to learn these things from their partner. So yeah. when the partner starts answering, you know, you can see like the light bulb goes off and like the interest level lowers yeah. So um, I like finding those opportunities to step in and help mm -hmm. and um, just help like facilitate the conversation a little better. But um, when it's, I, I guess those aren't necessarily like big red flags. Big red flags are more like strongly dominating the co conversation or yeah. situation. Yeah. Well, and I see a lot too recently that. Um, no, I try not to get into too complicated of investment stuff, but, um, you know, people will have different appetites for risk. So you'll see one partner that's like, I'm really into cryptocurrency and they're like, you know, putting all their money into it and, 
and um, you know, not really thinking about how their partner feels about it and how it could impact them. Um, and even if you know, even if it's a really good investment that's well vetted, and you talk to your financial advisor and they feel good about it, and you have a good strategy, you still have to listen to. If you're in a partnership, you still have to listen to the concerns of the other person and understand how that's going to impact them. And I do find that a lot of times it's the louder person in the group that's like, this is how we feel about it. And this is what we need to do. And, you know, like you don't necessarily understand the dynamics of this, but I do because I'm really into it. Um, so I love, most financial advisors do work with couples. I love that you specify the couples and are leading with that because a lot of times, you know, financial advisors don't mind if they're just like, I'm going to talk to the louder one that's more interested and not really worry about the other one. Yeah, no, the, there are like a lot of just like, happily accepted terms in this industry like the the financial spouse mm -hmm. and things like that that just really irk me um but I think it's really important to see the couple as your client not yeah. an individual person for so many reasons yeah there are a lot of reasons why it's bad to do it the other way, just because you, you don't know what could happen. You don't know what concerns could start coming up for the person that you're basic, you know, basically ignoring. Um, but also it's so much more rewarding to work with a couple as a couple. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that you have to interact with both of them in every interaction. In fact, that's that's not realistic. Like couples do need to divide and conquer sometimes and, and find ways to be efficient. But um, usually after, you know, say we have an impromptu phone call and it's just me and one partner, then I'll follow up with a summary and include both partners on the email. So yeah. um, I try to find as many ways as I can to just remove the need for partners to filter information through each other because... Yeah. It also is just a lot of extra work to have to do that. And I just, you know, I think if I'm also a client, I'd like to be updated, even if I wasn't on the phone call. Sure. Well, and even so you can just look back because oftentimes too, it's just like a angle of like playing telephone. Like you tell a spouse and then they tell their spouse and they're like, okay, this is the thing. And then you're like, no, that's, that's not what I said at all. So it can be helpful to, if you're, if you're communicating in a, in a meeting and it's not written down to just send a, like you said, send a quick summary of like, this is what I said specifically. So you can rely on this information. It's not like hearsay yeah. third person. Um, so tell me, obviously you work um, overall with couples, specifically with prenups and those types of conversations. Um, how can people get in touch with you and, and what are you excited about working on right now? Um, people can get in touch with me through, so I have a contact option on my website and people can also contact me through Instagram. And my website is kaylindillonfinancial.com. And my Instagram is Kaylin Dillon Financial. So they're the, they're the same. And um, I have a new uh, guide up for couples that are looking for a checklist to help them figure out how do we have the conversations about combining our finances if they haven't done that in the past, or if they're just not sure they did it thoroughly or that you know they didn't actually have the conversation. Sure. And so if you go to my Instagram uh, bio, there's a link in there 
to download the guide and go through those items. But like I said, those are all good things to take slowly if you haven't been having those conversations. So um, don't try to dive through the whole thing in one sitting and understand these, these conversations and plans take time. Yeah. Well, it's always a, um, you know, a fluid thing too. like relationships change and financials change. Whenever I do a financial plan with someone, I'm like, and we're done like for now, because it's going to change tomorrow. And the next day, like you have a long-term plan, but then, uh, you know, we're living life and things are changing. So it can even be helpful to go through as like an audit of, you know, I think I've been hitting everything. And um, then you look and you're like, oh, I didn't ever talk about insurance. Maybe I should think about insurance. Cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I'll definitely, I'm going to check that out myself because I'm seeing what you're doing. Um, But yeah. um, So it was just really great to have you on, Phelan. I appreciate you having me today. This was fun. Um, One final question before we sign off. I need to know what your favorite ice cream flavor is. Mint chocolate chip. Someone else answered that. I'm going to really? have to look, go back and look. Yeah, that must be a popular one. Uh, we had a, um, over Christmas, I had um, like a peppermint sorbet that was really, really good. And I've been thinking about that about weekly. So maybe I'm going to have to have some mint chocolate chip to see if that, see if that does it for me. <laughs> yeah, I hope, yeah, I'm sure if you do, you'll re- realize it's actually the best option. So it's actually the best ever. <laughs> awesome. Well, it was so good to talk to you and I'm sure we'll have you back another time. Thank you. Yeah, it was great to talk to you too. Bye. The information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, it is not intended to be a substitute for specific, individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a final decision.